No, that's okay. I'm going to actually use this today since it's up here. Um, thank you to Stephen and Shiori. And uh, I want to give a special thanks to Shin for filling in at the last minute today. If you notice on your program, Renee was to lead worship today. And uh, she and Pastor Darren and their family are home self-quarantining because uh, Colson had tested positive uh, for, for COVID. And I know that there is a lot of concerns around uh, just everything that's going on with COVID and, uh, and other things. And so I thought before we jump into today's sermon, we might just take a minute and lift up all of these concerns uh, to the Lord in prayer. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we uh, come before you this morning, and we know that our, uh, the anxiety level around uh, health concerns uh, right now is very high. Uh, the line to get tested at the hospital wraps around the, the block, and, uh, and we know that there are just, there's so much uh, sickness going around. God, we want to just pray for all of those in our church family that are home quarantining today or have been affected by this sickness. Uh, God, we pray for Pastor Darren and for Renee and for many others that I know of that are in a similar situation in our church family. And we pray that you would keep us healthy and safe. We pray that not only would we be safe physically, but we know that this all wears on us emotionally and spiritually as well. And we pray that you would keep us, uh, that you would just uh, help us to be able to thrive in all these areas of our lives as we seek to live for you. God, we pray for our community. We pray that you would help us to reach uh, those around us, our, uh, this community and our family and our friends for Jesus Christ. God, help us to, uh, to share the gospel and to be lights uh, for you. And God, now as we turn to your word, we pray that you would come and that you would speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Now that's a statement. That is the type of thing you would, hear, you, you would expect to hear kind of on a movie. How many of you have seen the movie Braveheart? Okay, we, okay you got a, we got a lot of Braveheart. Just in case you haven't seen it, I mean, this is the type of movie I get goosebumps watching. I mean, this is this is an inspirational movie. The movie is about, the, uh, about Scotland trying to win their freedom from uh, the, the British. And uh, I'm terrible with history. Somebody would have to tell me what year this took place. But it's about William Wallace, who's this guy who, uh, who's going to lead all the lay people. They don't have an army. They don't have trained warriors. They don't have trained uh, military people. But they're going to take on the British army. And, they're about to, and, and they line up in the, in the valley, and they're about to uh, take over. They're about to go into battle, and the English begin to march all of their soldiers onto the field. And the Scotsmen are about ready to turn away, and here comes William Wallace on his black stallion. 
half his face is painted blue. And he's come to inspire the people and to say, no, we're not going to go home. We're going to fight for our freedom. And when I hear these words from Paul, it makes me sound like this is kind of that kind of inspirational speech. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's go take the hill, men. Uh, But Paul is not saying this just as some inspirational speech. For this, for him, this is deeply personal. This is the way that he will, that he is to live his life. He says, for to me, personally, to live is Christ. These words come from Philippians uh, 1.21. And uh, we're going to, we introduced this sermon series last week that we're going through the book of Philippians. I said, this is my favorite book of the Bible. I think that the reason this is my favorite book is because you get these little personal statements from Paul. Like Philippians reads like a love letter. Like Paul has such a close relationship with the Philippian church. In the introduction, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so uh, many have noted that this is the only letter from Paul that doesn't have a strong word of rebuke or correction. Like this is, this is just like this love letter and Paul gives these little nuggets into himself and, and how he lives with Christ. And I think this is a golden nugget. This is one of those things that are like, wow, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he makes it deeply personal for me. Now, for all of us, we live for something, right? By the end of this sermon, I want us to be able to fill in the blank in that sentence. For to me, to live is what? For many, I think they would say, for me, to live is family. Like, that's the most important thing. That's the focus of your life. And others would say, to live is uh, my friends or those that are close to me. And and though they might not say it, I think many would actually, if they were honest, would fill in the blank. For to me, to live is my work, my career, to be successful. And others would have maybe a more noble cause. I I support this volunteer organization. I I give my time and my energy. This is the focus. For For to me, to live is to help those in need. Or maybe it is simply to me, To live is Friday nights sitting on my couch eating Cheetos watching my favorite TV show. Like, that's what we're living for. But all of us are living for something. Now, if I was to be honest and uh, fill in the blank for myself, and if I I say I, I can't choose Jesus in this sentence, the one thing that could be a temptation for me to build my life upon is probably this church. Like to me, to live is West Covina Christian Church. Like I love this church so much. I want to see it prosper. I want to see us uh, reach those uh, that live in this community. But the reality is, if I was to put that in the blank, then I have to finish the sentence with loss. For to me, to live is West Covina Christian Church. Then to die is loss. Because when I die, I'm separated from the church. And in fact, if we were to fill in the blank in anything, the result is always loss in the end. 
If to, if to live is our family, we will be separated from them in the end. If, it, if to live is happiness and joy and the pursuit of entertainment, then obviously those things uh, uh, are a loss in the end because we're not created for pleasure or simply to be entertained. If to live is money or career or possessions, then obviously those things are a loss uh, when we die. If to live is a real noble cause or pursuit, all of those things pale in comparison to Jesus Christ. In the end, it will be loss. The only way we finish that sentence, for to me to live is, and to end it with a, uh, with a gain, is to say, to, for to me to live is Christ, than to die is gain. You see, this is not just simply some motivational speech that Paul gives. This is an insight that if we could grasp and get our minds around and apply to our lives, then it would lead us to be able to live lives that have great meaning and significance in the end. And so this morning, I'm going to challenge us to fill in the blank. For to me, to live is what? And I'm going to present to us from God's Word here a vision of what it looks like to live as Christ, because I think that is the best way for us to live. The passage that we are looking at, as I said, I, I quoted Revel, uh, Philippians 1, 21, but let's go back and read starting in verse 12, because all of these verses now give us a vision of what it looks like to live as Christ. Paul says, Philippians 1, and again, I apologize, we don't have a screen, so take a moment and um, look this up in your pew Bible in front of you, or if you brought your own Bible, or, or um, on your phone, or whatever, whatever version of the Bible you have with us, with you. Uh, let, in fact, this is probably a good habit for us to get uh, in. We want to open up the Word of God and have it before us. We're reading Philippians 1, starting at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of, self, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and, the, and God's help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul writes these words to the Philippians while he is in prison. And so when he opens this uh, section by saying, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me, he's referring to his imprisonment. 
He's in prison in Rome. We know that because he refers to the whole palace guard. The palace would have been in Rome, and the guards that are guarding him were the royal, uh, were the royal guards, the Praetorian guards. These were the, these were the people that had received the most training, kind of like our Navy SEALs today. They had their best men around Paul. And he has, an ankle, he has a chain around his ankle that goes up and is tied to a guard 24-7. Uh, Six-hour six shifts, four different soldiers would be next to him every day. And I just point that all out to say, even though uh, Paul is writing here and he seems to have gratitude and joy, he is not in good circumstances. He's in prison as he writes these things. When we talk about what it means to live as Christ, the first thing that we can say is, that it is not all comfort and ease. Like it does not mean that you sign up to, uh, to uh, follow Christ and everything is going to go well for you. In fact, Paul is in prison because to live is Christ for him. But sometimes you'll be flipping through the TV show, the TV channels, and you'll get to the Christian channel and there will be some health and wealth preacher on town about how if you uh, begin to follow Christ, everything's going to be great from this day forward. You're not going to be sick anymore. Your money's going to uh, uh, increase tenfold. All of these things, if you, especially if you give to the preacher, right? Turn the channel! It's a bunch of baloney. When you come to know Christ, you're probably going to lose friends. You're probably going to face hardships you didn't have before. You're going to face temptations and peer pressure. Satan is going to be on the attack. Uh, following Christ, to, to, to live as Christ is no easy uh, cakewalk. In fact, uh, we are going to live in, uh, we're going to have more difficulty in many ways. In Paul's day, there could have been a similar misconception as uh, what we're talking about with the health and wealth preachers. Because the city of Philippi was full of a lot of wealthy people. The, where, it, where it was located was it was a strategic area in tra- uh, among the trade routes in which a person, if they were good at business, they could become very uh, wealthy. In fact, the first Christian convert, we're told in Acts 17, was a lady by the name of Lydia. And uh, we looked at this last week, but Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. That's what the Bible says. Purple cloth was a rare and popular and expensive fabric. All the royals would want to wear purple cloth. All those that had wealth would uh, have uh, purple cloth. Lydia was probably very rich. And in fact, uh, she's the first Christian. And when she becomes uh, saved, she invites Paul and his companions to come and to stay with her in her home. And then the church in Philippi begins to meet in her living room. So in other words, she's got a house with a lot of bedrooms and a big living room. She's got a mansion. And I can imagine people uh, seeing all the Christians going in and out of Lydia's home and think, wow, I'd like to have some of that. That looks, that looks pretty good. And, uh, and the, there begins to be this, uh, this thought that maybe those that are Christians can get ahead in this world because of that. And Paul picks up on this in verse 17. He says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here in the defense of the gospel. Now catch what he says here. The former preach Christ out of 
selfish ambition for what they can get out of this themselves, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. There were some that were preaching Christ so they could get a reputation, so that they could get an audience, so that they could get money. Now, they were doing the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And now we've got to pause. Because it is very possible for us to do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. We always have to be checking our motives. To, uh, because God cares about what is in our hearts. Our motives are important. When God told Samuel to look for a king for Israel, it says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so why are you, if you seek to do good, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it so that you can look good? Or is it so you can make God look good? We talked about this some last week. Are you seeking your own glory or the glory of God? Are you seeking to build your own kingdom or the kingdom of God? Motives matter to God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, Paul, having ha after having said that, now he says something that will almost catch us off guard. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, for whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I, uh, because of this, I rejoice. I don't think Paul is saying motives don't matter. What I think he is saying is, I can't concern myself with those things. God is the judge. He will take care of what's in the heart. My main concern is, is the gospel being advanced? Now, for us to learn that we can't judge a person's motives is actually a huge weight off of our shoulders. Amen? When you're always worried about what someone else's uh, thinking or why they're doing what they're doing, man, that's just a burden you don't have to carry. We should not worry. Uh, let God be the judge and we're just going to be his lights. We'll follow him and we'll check our own hearts. But to try to figure out why someone else is doing what they're doing, and we can be such critical judges. I've heard people be, judge people's motives based on what car they drive or what church they attend or what political party they affiliate with, or all kinds of things. God seems to be very, um, uh, much better at judging people's hearts than we are, so we ought to just lay those burdens down. You know, all over this city right now, there are people that are meeting to worship God in different ways. There will be some churches that the priest comes down in a lot of priestly garb, and he's wearing a canister that smoke is coming out of, Right? And then there's going to be other churches that, speaking languages I don't understand, they're hooping and hollering and jumping through the aisles. And there's churches that are sitting there in silence waiting for the Lord to speak. And my point is, let's just seek to live for God. What, what does it matter to us as long as Christ is preached? Amen? We ought to seek to uh, live for God in whatever place he has called us. 
And let God be the judge as long as Christ is preached. See, Paul doesn't seem to get bent out of shape about these things, either about his imprisonment or about people preaching with bad motives. Why? Because he recognizes that God uses things that we interpret as bad for his good. We keep talking about what does it mean to live as Christ. Well, I think part of what it means is that we adopt the worldview that God can use bad things ultimately for his purposes. To live as Christ, we put that before us and we trust in him. Listen to what, see what Paul says. I want to read these verses again, verses 12 through 14. Look at how he, uh, he views his imprisonment. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel because it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. This is a terrible thing, Paul being in prison. But he says, not to me. To me, it's a good thing. He points out two positives. One is that the gospel is spreading throughout the whole palace guard. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be chained to Paul six hours a day? <laughs> like here, you, 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 uh, they think he's, they got him, they think they've got him captive as a prisoner. He's got a captive audience. He's the one that's got the freedom. And, uh, and I can guarantee you these soldiers, Paul would ask them about their uh, families and how they're doing. And, and I guarantee you the gospel is shared. People in the prison are getting saved. It says the whole palace guard is coming to know Christ. And uh, they're getting discipled. And Paul says, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether I am in prison or if I'm meeting in Lydia's mansion for to me to live as Christ no matter where I am at. Here's the first benefit, Paul says, is that the gospel is spreading to people that I would otherwise not have an audience to. The second benefit that uh, Paul gives, well, actually, before I move on to the second benefit, let me, I, I don't want to skip this because I think this is an important application. I just want uh, to, for us to recognize that, uh, you know, when we consider Paul, that God is using him in this difficult situation. I just want to point out that God has you wherever he has you for a reason. And some of you may be going through really hard times right now. And it's because of work or a difficult marriage or certain decisions and, and trials or whatever it is. God has you there for a reason. And you're able to be Christ's representative wherever you are at. That's the first positive that Paul mentions. The second is that people are getting inspired to share Jesus just as Paul did. He says people are speaking the word of God more courageously and fearlessly because of my example. Have you ever wondered why bad things are happening to you? Like maybe you're going through a, uh, one of those times, or you have, and, uh, and perhaps it is so that you can be a witness 
for Christ. I knew a woman once who was going through really hard treatment. And she was in the hospital for sometimes a couple weeks, several weeks at a time receiving treatment. And I knew she was in a lot of physical pain, but somehow there was always a sense of faith in God and joy in the midst of that. And, uh, and she, even though she was suffering physically, her attitude and her faith in God remained rock solid. And it was beginning to, you know, just as this gospel was spreading throughout the whole palace guard, it was beginning to spread uh, through the hospital that Miss Mindy had something special. Until one of the nurses finally asked her, Miss Mindy, how is it that you always have such a good attitude when you're going through such difficult things? And she said something to the effect of, I can, uh, I can have faith and joy because I keep my eyes on Jesus. And when I picture Jesus looking at me, he's always got a smile on his face. And so I can't help but have joy because God is smiling down upon me. You see, no matter what we're going through, we have an opportunity to be God's representatives. We have an opportunity to inspire others with our faith. Two applications. One is, I want to make this practical, so think about this for a moment. Who is it in your life that inspires you to live for God more? Take a minute, everyone, get a, get a, a face and a name in your mind. Who is it, think of one person that, you, that inspires you that you'd say, hey, if, there, if there's ever a person that lived by the model for to me to live is Christ, now you've got that person in your mind. Here's my application. In the next week or two, spend some time with that person. Call them up on the phone. Uh, set up a Zoom meeting, uh, meet them at a coffee shop, meet with them on their front porch, whatever it is. Spend some time just with them, letting them impart to you some thoughts, some wisdom, some knowledge about what it looks like to really live with Christ. You know, uh, oftentimes we don't really reflect upon a person's life until the day of their memorial service, and that's quite unfortunate. We have so many people around us that have given their lives to Christ. What an opportunity to just ask them some questions and to pray with them. That's application number one. Who is it that you might be inspired by? Kind of like many were being inspired by Paul. Who is it that you could be inspired to, li uh, to live more for God? Now, the second, question, the second application is not only to follow someone else's example— but for you to be a bold and courageous example of living for Christ. And so the, the application here is, in the next week or two, I want you to, let's just say this upcoming week, I want you to try to do something intentionally to share Jesus with someone. Like to tell someone uh, what God means in your life. Or to maybe make a gift for your neighbor or your coworker or a friend or something, and you write a Bible verse on it. Or you come out on Thursday night and we do our door-to-door -door invitations and evangelism. Uh, or you invite someone to come to church with you. 
What could you do to be a risk taker, to put yourself outside of your comfort zone and to tell someone about Jesus? Let's be bold and courageous in our faith. We are to live for Christ above all else. To live as Christ means that Jesus is our everything. He comes first. He's the focus of our lives. He's the motivation for all that we do. We love him. We seek him. We live for him. And one day we will stand before him in judgment. And oftentimes I think we think of that judgment day as a day of reckoning. We're hoping that our good works will outweigh our bad uh, deeds. And we're hoping we'll have something to say positive for ourselves. But for those of us who have lived for Jesus, it is not so much a day of reckoning as it is a day of meeting. You will not be so much focused on the evidence of your life, but on the person you have lived your life for, Jesus himself. And if for you to live has been Christ, then that day will be great gain. Because on that day, you will receive an, inter- an invitation to come and to spend eternity with him. And he is your entire life. So that means it is great gain. Can you picture what that day will be like? Like I picture that day and I just see Jesus coming and giving the biggest embrace. It's like a bear hug. Remember the, the story of the prodigal son and the father's running down the road and embraces his son I picture Jesus just wrapping his arms around us. And I see uh, tears streaming down my face and down Jesus' face. And I know the Bible says there's no uh, tears in heaven, but these are not tears of sorrow. These are tears of joy because I finally am with Jesus. You see, this is a happy day. This, This is the happiest of days. It's like a party, but without all the cheap throwaway Uh, decorations. This is the real deal. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb that Revelation talks about. This is the day when which we stand before our Maker, and it is all worth it. As I fall into his embrace, tears running down my face, I am sure that I will say it was all worth it. In that moment, it will be great gain. And so on your most difficult days, Remember to live for Christ, and in the end, it will be worth it. Living for Jesus is not easy. It requires sacrifice, denial of self, daily dying to your fleshly desires. But you know what? If you die to self and live for Christ, then you'll never really die. You'll die physically, but you'll live with Christ forever. So how would you fill in the blank in that sentence? For to me, to live is what? And I hope we can say in our hearts, we want to say, and we make the decision to say, for to me, to live is Christ, and then to die will be great gain. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we just come before you and we thank you that You love us so much that you call us to come and to live life with Christ. 
God, it is easy to get distracted with all the things of this world. And God, I pray that now in the quietness of this sanctuary as our heads are bowed and, our, and, uh, and we quiet our hearts, that we could just evaluate and say, what am I really living for? And God, I pray that there would be a desire within us to say, I want to live for Christ. And I'm sure that that means some changes for me and for each person here. We begin to continue to elevate Christ in our lives. But God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to do it because in the end it is worth it. It is great gain. And so God, we just come before you and, and, and I think I can speak for all of us in this congregation. We just say, uh, we're sorry when we haven't lived for you the way we should. We're sorry when we have let other things slip in and come before you. And God, we just pray that we would be able to center ourselves, ground ourselves, focus ourselves all around Jesus and help us to live for him. This life is so quick. It's gone in a flash. And yet eternity will last forever. God, help us to remember that. Help us to live for you. And God, help us to preach the gospel and give us good motives along the way. God, help us to live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer counselors to come forward. Now, I'll be honest, uh, we'll only have a couple prayer counselors this morning because most of the team scheduled for today is home quarantining. Uh, but that's all right. We're here to pray uh, with one another and for one another. If you'd like to come and uh, receive prayer this morning, Aiko and Stephen will be at the front, and I'll, I'll step out to the side here, and I'd love to pray with anyone as well. But you know, this is a house of prayer, and we gather th this morning to hear God's word and to pray, and also to worship him for, uh, because he deserves to be praised. So let's stand as we sing this final song together.